How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com. And anywhere you download podcasts, I'm your host, Rob DeMello. Joining me, we got former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano. We got former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman RJ Hollis. And fellas, two games into the 2022 University of Hawaii football season and the patience of a fan base is being tested as the Rainbow Warriors are now 0-2 on this young season, followed up a 63-10 loss to Vanderbilt two weeks ago with a loss this past weekend to Western Kentucky, 49-17. A lot to talk about within what happened in this ball game, a ball game that you saw over 100 yards of penalties. You saw six turnovers. And you saw a Hilltoppers team prove that they are much more further along as far as identity and as far as continuity goes here than the University of Hawaii here in the 2022 season. But before we start our discussion, let's give a chance to hear from the Rainbow Warriors themselves. This was head coach Timmy Chang, defensive back Malik Hausman, and quarterback Braden Shager in that order talking about their loss to Western Kentucky. I thought our, our, our defense played well, you know, um, probably up to the fourth quarter. And I thought our defense, you know, played lights out, um, you know, on offense, you know, there, there's just too many mistakes and uh, you can't overcome mistakes, you know, in, in FBS football. You got to make sure that you take care of the football. Turnovers that turn into to six points, you know, I think that's 21 points already in two games. It's hard to overcome those, you know, to win games. You know, I thought. I thought, I thought, you know, even even despite that, I think I thought we were still in the game, um, but uh, you know, can't keep uh, giving good teams in college football the opportunities that we did tonight. We got to just keep doing the, the little things right. We got to just keep growing, keep grinding. I know, like for me personally, the only way to get better is just to keep going. You know, you can't look down or you feel me have your head down or soak about it you just got to keep fighting so I think that's important and we just got to keep fighting keep growing and I think we're going to be all right uh, I think on the positive side we were able to put some good drives there together at the end and that's just stuff we got to build upon we got to look at that stuff see if that worked and we got to continue to build upon that you know guys were getting open there at the end it was good uh was able to move the ball a little bit so we just got to continue to build off those things and uh, obviously Michigan's a great opponent so we just got to go in there and do our best and uh work hard every day because we just got to continue to put things on film. I mean, we haven't even started our Mountain West play yet, so obviously there's still a chance at that. So, I mean, we just got to remember that and just continue to get better every day. All right, that was the Rainbow Warriors following Saturday night's 49-17 loss to Western Kentucky. Again, Timmy Chang, Malik Hausman, and Braden Shager were the voices that you heard right there. Now, guys, let's talk a little bit about this ball game, a game that started with Joey Yellen at quarterback after Timmy Chang made it clear that the QB1 competition continued for another week as returning starter Braden Shager, Yellen, and Washington State transfer Cameron Cooper Rawl in the mix. Yellen got the start, as I mentioned. He goes 4 of 11 with an interception, only passing for 36 yards through three possessions of this game against the Hilltoppers. The University of Hawaii offense had negative three yards, and a little bit after that, Braden Shager was brought in to replace Yellen. He would finish 22 of 33 for 230 yards passing, four interceptions, obviously the most success we've seen out of this offense here in this early part of the season was with Braden Shager at quarterback uh, maneuvering some successful drives in this game against the Hilltoppers. But 
Obviously, when you turn the ball over six times and you have over 100 yards in penalty yardage uh, charged against you, it's going to make it very difficult to win football games. Uh, so first things first, Rich Miano, as you look ahead now after the completion of this ball game, the biggest takeaways that the Rainbow Warriors can look at and try and become a better football team from? Well, we obviously, at the end of the game, you know the score. The first thing I do as a football purist, former coach and player, and I go straight to the takeaways, turnovers. And when you see an eight to one turnover ratio, Hawaii has given the ball up eight times and only has taken it away, well, twice, I guess, with the muff punt. You see the offense not possessing it. You realize there's, you know, some bad decision making by the quarterbacks. You see that receivers not catching the ball, therefore giving opportunities for the tip drill for defensive backs. We saw lack of possession last week with, you know, uh, Diedrich Parsons fumbling twice that turned into two touchdowns. And then defensively, they've taken it away one time. So special teams one time. So when you look at a plus six ratio after two games, you're going to most likely be 0-2. So I think possessing the ball offensively, taking away on defensively is the number one takeaway I I get from these first two games. Now, that's not saying that we still have a quarterback controversy who's not getting enough reps. That's not saying that, you know, tackling did get better. Uh, there's some positives to take out of this as well, um, but there's a lot of negatives. And right now, after two games, I think turnovers, discipline, penalties, 12 penalties for over 100 yards, Rob. The especially the personal fouls, you know, the procedure stuff, the offsides, those type of things. You're not going to win many football games if you're turning it over and you're not disciplined in terms of penalties. RJ Hollis, we heard Malik Hausman talk about, hey, the little things are what this football team needs to focus on. And as the least experienced football team in all of college football here in 2022, when you look at 53 new players, 13 first-time starters, 10 new assistant coaches, a brand new head coach who is getting his first head coaching experience of his life, um, they're quickly learning that the little things are the big reasons why you win or lose football games, right? Right. And, and that is absolutely the, you know, message I wanted to send with my biggest takeaway is just the little things. I mean, when you look at the first points UH even got, it was set up where you get the ball well within your own red zone. And instead of turning that into seven, you turn that into three. Now, in the grand scheme of this game, does it matter? No. But when you get into the Mountain West where the point spread goes from the two to three touchdowns to, you know, 10 to seven point range, three point range. Those are the things that matter. Those interceptions that are dropped, all of those matter. All of those penalties matter, especially the personal fouls, especially, you know, even with procedural stuff at the collegiate level, you should know it, but personal fouls are almost always inexcusable because you just let the emotion get the best of you. Like I said, in week one, the little things are what gonna matter in them coin toss games. And I had a senior season in 2016 that was filled with games just like that. Beating Tennessee Martin by three, beating Fresno State by a block field goal, beating Air Force in double overtime. These are all games that were decided by 
one play or maybe even two or three. So when it comes down to focusing on those little things, that is absolutely massive. And it won't matter necessarily when you go into a big point spread game, but when you get into the mountain West in October and later in the season, and you get in those closely contested games, those mistakes might be the difference between wins and losses and wins and losses gravely determine how your season is looked upon. As we made very clear, the big numbers here were the turnovers with the number being six, the penalty yardage, the number being over 100. When you look at uh, third down conversions and, and, and uh, the University of Hawaii not being able to uh, convert on those on a regular basis. That's always a big number. But let's go over some of the individual performances here. Uh, we mentioned Shager and Yellen at the quarterback position. Uh, let's look at the University of Hawaii running game where Najee Bryant-Lely uh, had his breakout game, if you were to call it, 13 carries, significant playing time for number 22 there, where he had those 13 rushes for 64 yards and a touchdown, along with 13, averaging about five yards per pop. So definitely uh, you, you would be... Uh, optimistic about what he can provide to this offense moving forward behind that offensive line. Dedrick Parson, the primary running back for this UH football team and a co-captain of this squad, 15 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown for him. And then from a receiving standpoint, uh, Zion Bowen's now out with injury. So Jalen Walthall for a second straight week, able to contribute three catches for 53 yards. Jonah Ponoke, two catches for 32 yards along with 24. Caleb Phillips got three catches for 30 yards. Uh, Jordan Murray, who we talked about last week, uh, we would anticipate uh, having a much more on hand, hands-on role in this offense moving forward after uh, he, he wasn't really used against Vanderbilt. And that's after a training camp where anyone who went to practices saw that, you know, he was probably the most used player in practice and probably had the best practices and the best training camp of any player on the offense. Uh, but again, he just gets three targets, three catches for 22 yards and along of 12. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Panay Pavihi, who battled injuries throughout that evening, finishes with six tackles and a tackle for loss. You have Jojo Forrest with five tackles and a pass breakup. Malik Hausman had his first interception of his Rainbow Warrior career uh, to go along with three tackles and Hugh Nelson two tackles with one pass breakup another game where quarterback hurries were not there for the University of Hawaii Jonah Kahahawai Welch and Blessman Ta'ala each had just one hurry and so that's only two in the entire game which gives you five now for the entire season and you know at times that's a half for a good defensive football team and that's now through Eight quarters of play, you only have five quarterback hurries. This team's still without a sack this season. This team's still without a forced fumble or fumble recovery. Um, and so you are not um, uh, going to win a lot of football games when you are missing those key statistics. All right, so we've got the numbers out there. Let's stay on terms of offense uh, right now. Braden Shager finished this game. Uh, Braden Shager didn't have the best of games, four interceptions. Braden Shager was able to put drives together, which is something we haven't seen much of this season. Where do you, do you stand, Rich Miano, for the success of this UH football team moving forward? Now, by no stretch of the imagination is anyone saying that, hey, they're good at quarterback. You don't have to worry. I mean, this is, this is it. You're, you're, you've ironed everything out moving forward. But with that being said, how important will it be that – a decision is made this week and that at the start of this week, 
the Rainbow Warriors are well aware of who the quarterback is moving forward so that you can get those reps, so that you can be able to move this offensive along uh, with one person taking those snaps. Yeah, you know, I think we in the media and maybe a little closer to the program are hoping that decision was made two weeks prior to week zero. It wasn't made. Nobody really stood out. The fact I'm a bigger fan now of Braden Shager than I have been in the last two years. And people are going to think I'm crazy because he do he did make two incredibly poor decisions. And but he moved the football. He made throws, Rob. Nobody on that roster can make. He did some things yesterday. And this is going to be people are going to go like, there he goes again. The quarterback apologist. When I watched Josh Allen at Wyoming play the University of Hawaii, he was 55 percent passing. He was inaccurate, and everybody criticized Josh Allen. But he made four or five throws during that game as, as somebody that watches quarterbacks on a regular basis go like, nobody else can make those throws. Braden Shager can throw the football so much better than anybody on that roster. Now, you, it's your job, Ian Shoemaker, to I, develop an offensive identity to make sure that you coach this young man up, to simplify – uh, the offense, I'm not sure what they are right now offensively because it seems like in the first game, it was a bunch of slip screens, bubble screens, hitches, smoke throws, quick slants, whatever else. And they seem to want to push the ball down the field more this game. But I'm not sure what their identity is. But I'll tell you one thing. If June Jones worked with Braden Shager or a, a quarterback girl, Vince Passes, Nalutanga Valoa, uh, any of these guys, you can develop that young man into a very – effective quarterback he has the ability he moves better than people give him credit for he understands this offense better than I think anybody on that roster to me if they don't make that decision that's up to them they watch the film but I'm a Braden Shager fan and he made two horrific mistakes he's not going to be Josh Allen he's not going to be from Highland Park he's not going to be uh my man on the uh the, the Rams um losing my train of thought here but He's going to be a good college quarterback with proper reps, with proper coaching, with a good scheme. And I think if Hawaii gives up on that kid, we're going to see that name down the road at some other university throwing for large yardage. RJ Hollis, uh, Rich Miano talked about identity or maybe lack thereof here through two games as far as uh, this University of Hawaii offense. And and obviously that is very important moving forward. What are you? Who are you? But with that being said, how important is it for the supporting cast, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the guy that's, that, that are catching the passes from this quarterback, whether it's the running back and, and how you hand the ball off or maybe even how you keep the ball on an RPO. Not having all the reps go to one guy in your primary workouts and practices leading into a ball game, how effective can that be for everybody involved? Because let's face it, they hit the quarterback bingo on Saturday where they played Joey Yellen, Braden Shager, and Cameron Cooper in some capacity in that ball game, And that can't be a good thing moving forward. Uh, no, not not at all. You got to find a QB one, especially more so for the receiving unit. And, you know, this passing game like this has to be a orchestrated choreography of of epic proportion. You got big athletic dudes 
running 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards, making cuts, and a quarterback that has to avoid pressure, know where this guy's going to be. The guy that's catching the ball has to have a familiarity of where the release is going to be, who the guy is. Does he escape outside the pocket? Should I do some scramble drill type of stuff? Well, I can't get that train of thought if every other drive I'm looking back there and there's another quarterback. And that is on the end of having familiarity with the passing game. Now, as far as the offensive line goes, your job is kind of your job. Whether it's five-man protection, you know, drop back, short protection, whatever, it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball necessarily for you. Same thing goes for the running game. Now, for me, I would have to say for the QB1 himself, the biggest thing is going to be finding, like you said, that identity and really going out there and taking it. Couple years ago, we saw Shevin Cordero come into camp, and a lot of the coaches there said, That's the best quarterback we have. As far as everything you know, Rich was talking about of mobility, of throws that can't be made by other quarterbacks. But the starter ended up being Cole McDonald because after every single practice, Cole McDonald was out there for an hour. And then Cole McDonald went up to the film room and watched film for another couple hours. Shevin did the same thing, but this was a guy that was already starting and still trying to make himself better. If I'm Braden Shager and I see that I am inching towards that QB1, but I just need those little fine-tuned things to put myself there, to not make those bad decisions, to maybe have a two-interception game instead of a four-interception game, I think that is what's going to elevate him into that QB1 position where there's no longer questions or corral. We know who our guy's going to be. There's no more carouseling. We got a QB1. We got QB2 and 3 or 2A, 2B, whatever you want to do. But if I'm Braden Shager, whatever I got to do to solidify what everybody knows that I should be the QB1, I'm going to do that. And I think going forward, it's going to put a lot of weight on this kid's shoulders. But you have one of the most competitive positions in almost all of sports. If I'm an unathletic tackle, I can get kicked in the guard. If I'm the second best wide receiver, I can play opposite of the first best. But when you're the quarterback, it's only you the entire time. So whatever Brady Shaker has to do to elevate himself into that assured QB1 position and give that entire offense that familiarity I would be beating down doors and doing whatever I got to do to make sure that I am the number one guy for this team. Rich Miano, very few occasions this season have we seen wide open receivers. And so when you look at this offense through the first eight quarters and obviously against two teams that you're overwhelming underdogs against, that's one thing that should not be lost in this is that uh, the University of Hawaii and Nevada were the two teams with the biggest roster turnovers in the country. Ro- uh, the, the Wolfpack opened their season against Texas State and an FCS opponent and where the University of Hawaii opened against an SEC opponent and a Western Kentucky squad that is humming in the Conference USA as far as what they've been able to do here over the last few years. But when you look at this offense and what they're trying to accomplish and what they have failed to accomplish, why, what do you identify the reason behind uh, receivers not having those opportunities? Is it route running? Is it the route tree? Is it uh, a lack of athleticism? Is it the lack of timing? Uh, what really jumps out to you as far as um, why there hasn't been the explosive plays uh, from this UH passing game? 
Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the offensive line was inconsistent this week because in the first week they played very, extremely well, and that's the most talented group. But when you talk specifically about wide receiver play and you lose a guy like Zion Bowens, you also have Jonah Pinocchi who was in a walking boot Tuesday and didn't practice Wednesday and, you know, sparingly this past game. Then you're getting young guys, Chuck. Chunky Hines uh, in there. You're getting uh, guys like Jalen Waffle in there. You're getting, you know, obviously uh, a heavy dose of uh, backup players. To me, you see when you have diminutive receivers like Phillips and, 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 and uh, Tamatoa, you don't have the larger catching radius. Those guys can be successful in the slot. When you have that type of wide receiver on the perimeter. There goes your bubble screens, your slip screens, your your your, your perimeter runs and stuff because you get overpowered uh, trying to stock block bigger, more physical corners and nickelbacks and safeties. So Hawaii definitely is down a little bit on this depth chart. And I think all of those guys I just mentioned are very capable. But again, Zion Bowens is the best receiver to me physically on this football program. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Jonah Pinocchi was by far the most consistent receiver last week who got nicked up, wasn't available this game. When you're talking young receivers, Rob, you're talking about understanding the nuances of playing wide receiver in terms of throttling down in zones, in terms of uh, quarterbacks throwing you open, in terms of scramble drills. They're not getting the same amount of reps as the starters were. Those guys uh, have a bright future. I like Chucky Hines. I like Jalen Wathel. Those are going to be good receivers. I like Tomatoa, but they're young. And it takes a while to really develop uh, the type of route discipline, the, the hand placements. Two of those interceptions should have been caught. Those are, you know, will go down for four against Shager. But again, John Ursua does a great job of coaching these guys up, and they're not going to catch everything. But uncharacteristically, these balls bounced into the hands of DBs. They're in the right place at the right time. But I think this receiver group has the talent it needs, but you got to get Zion healthy. You got to get Jonah healthy. You got to get more reps. And I, I think it'll come along. But right now, you've got some issues in terms of catching the ball, running routes, uh, and, and being able to throttle down in zones and understanding coverages pre snap. RJ, when you look at this defense, uh, obviously, each and every week, uh, especially in the situation that the University of Hawaii is in. And although people don't want to hear this, uh, they are a rebuilding program right now um, and probably the epitome of what rebuilding is uh, based on uh, the roster turnover and everything that this program went through here in the 2022 offseason. But you just want to see improvement from week to week to week. Did you see improvement from this defense? Because obviously a tackling was much better than it was. Now, obviously, there were some key players, plays and headline type making plays um, where tackling was an issue. But when you look at the overall picture of things, tackling did improve. You you saw um, uh, players step up in, in open spaces, uh, mainly Panay Pavihi, Ty Marsh uh, had solid games from that standpoint, um, but still not where you want to be. But are you optimistic as far as uh, the, the progress that this defense under first-year coordinator Jacob Yoro made from week one against Vanderbilt to week two against Western Kentucky? Uh, most definitely, assuredly, especially in the tackling category. Uh, week one, you gave up I think 400 yards of rushing. So that is a historical number. You gave up over a hundred against Western Kentucky, but it was better. And um, you held them to one of seven on third down conversion. So that is absolutely huge because 
of the seven times Western Kentucky faced a third down, the University of Hawaii defense sent them off the field six times. Now, there was a very big play, in my opinion, in the second quarter of a fourth and one where if the defense could have made that stop, that might have changed the trajectory of the game. But that's being, you know, a, a micromanager of sorts in that regard. But as far as general improvement, I think, you know, you see you finally seen a takeaway, finally got an interception. Um, like you mentioned earlier, Malik Houseman got uh, getting his first interception. So I think it's small improvement, but it is definitely improvement nonetheless. Is there things you want to see get better? Obviously, I think for any team across all of college football, there's things you want to see to get better. But I think there was a gradual and, and evident improvement between the week one University of Hawaii defense and the week two University of Hawaii defense. Next week, you face Michigan. So that might skew it again just because of the stats and the numbers they may put up and you have to travel all the way to the big house for your first away game. But I think as far as steady improvement between week one and week two, you cannot deny that the second week defense was much better than the first week defense. Rich Miano, obviously, and you fully understand this uh, with, with your coaching background and, and being a coach in a time that uh, the University of Hawaii football team was very successful in creating turnovers and, and, and giving the ball back to the offense and, and really making those uh, momentum changing type plays uh, that the University of Hawaii right now here in 2022 is lacking severely. And so when you look at only five quarterback hurries through the first two games. When you look at zero sacks, when you look at a small number of tackle for losses, when you look at just one interception, when you look at zero forced fumbles, uh, you know, the pe people often at times want simple answers to these, to these problems. And, and, a, and a simple answer would be like, well, take more chances, send, you know, more blitzes and, and, and just be more aggressive. And those things will happen. With that being said, is this team talented enough to be able to take those kinds of chances? And do you feel like they are playing the kind of defense that they need to based on the inexperience on this roster and based on just the overall talent level of what the 11 guys on the field at any given time have and possess on this defense? Yeah, I like to start off on a positive note. And I agree with RJ that, you know, the week one was 42 missed tackles. That may be an institutional record. This week, I would imagine it's somewhere around 15, and they got carried a little bit in the back end, and they kind of wore down late, and they can do a better job of getting off the field. But what you're mentioning is big playability, and particularly rushing the passer. If you can generate a pass rush with four people, that's golden, right? So, some, But most teams will protect and understand fundamentals and slide and all that other thing to – when you need to go five, a dog, when you need to go six, then obviously you're putting your corners on an island. But where's Mateo Soli? Uh, I thought I thought Jonah Kahavai Welch had a much improved game. He, and he applied some pressure. Bless Mateo is not going to apply pressure from the inside. But I thought you'd get more out of John Tuipoto. I thought he would, with long levers and more explosiveness possibly, would, would be that force in the middle and, and, and apply some pressure. But then, you know, you have to, you're, you're having to bring the linebackers, you're bringing safeties from afar, you know, and I think Jacob Euro is trying to dial some things up, but there is lack of pressure and that's putting a lot of pressure on the corners. It's putting a lot of pressure on this defense. And you mentioned, if you don't make big plays, if you don't give it back to the offense and they have that one interception, but you're not, 
causing fumbles. You're not stripping ball carriers. And like you mentioned, the amount of pressures so far has been usually on a good defense and a half, and they've played eight quarters. This is becoming very concerning when you're asking yourself, are we athletic enough defensively to be successful? And if we're not, we're going to have to be extremely disciplined, extremely fundamental in terms of being sound. And we're going to have to try to dial up the right calls and the, and, and the right plays at the right times. And then we're just going to have to uh, hope that this defense turns into being the defense that Jacob Euro wants these guys to be. Well, uh, uh, the University of Hawaii football team with a lot to work on, obviously. I think that goes without saying here at 0-2 to start the season with a pair of blowout losses as the Rainbow Warriors now must face the tough task of traveling to Ann Arbor, Michigan in the big house uh, to take on a nationally ranked Michigan Wolverine squad here on Saturday, 2 p.m. Hawaii time on the Big 12 network, uh, Big 10 network, excuse me. You know, that Big 10, Big 12, it, it always oh, confused me because the, me the, the too, logo Rob. is B. One G and right and it just and, and you got so I, I many more teams it, it it drives me nuts every single week I like I'm with you conference realignment is the the bane of my existence but uh but anyway it will be on the the Big Ten network uh all right so we we got a lot of questions and comments that came in. Uh, to the Bose football final mailbox. And uh, obviously, if, if anyone listening, if you ever have any questions or comments following a UH football game, you can find me on Instagram at Rob DeMello on Twitter at Rob DeMello K-H-O-N. If uh, you're the emailing type, you could email me at rdemello at K-H-O-N com and, and try to get any of these questions for Rich and RJ um, here to answer um, on every episode of Bose football final. And, and the first question uh, that, that we got comes from Brian, who uh, it is pretty plain and simple. Just asking, guys, can you please explain what UH football is currently? A rebuilding team, an underachieving team, a flat-out bad team. What is this UH football team? And so, Rich Miano, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, what are we looking at here with this Rainbow Warrior football team through two games in 2022? Yeah, and this is no disrespect to Timmy Chang and this coaching staff. This is no disrespect to the players. If they had the 13 potential starters that left, if they had the 19 guys who left in the transfer portal, this would be the most talented team in the Mountain West Conference. If they had that quarterback, Chevron Cordero, they, we wouldn't be talking about the offensive identity. That being said, I do think they are underachieving at this point in the season. And I also think they're not very talented, but I think there are there is some hope with some foundational guys with the receivers we talked about, the young freshmen. Hines, the young freshman running back, you know, Matangi Thompson, guys like that in the back end, a couple of young corners. I, I do think there is some young talent on this team, but they are not athletic enough right now. They are not fast enough right now. They need to work on those things and uh, they are underachieving. So there is issues in this Manoa campus. And uh, trust me when I tell you, Timmy Chang and that coaching staff, they're going to work extremely hard of trying to turn this thing around, but they do have their work cut out for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, be, before we go to, to RJ and I, I think the one thing for a lot of people to understand is, and in, in, in the simplest form of how that question is asked is what is 
the University of Hawaii football team. Well, the University of Hawaii football team is an FBS program in the group of five level in the Mountain West Conference that plays in the worst stadium in all of college football that uh, has the biggest roster turnover of any college football team in America in the year 2022. And, and I'd be surprised uh, if any program went through what the University of Hawaii went through here in, in recent memory as far as the amount of players that you lost. And not only the amount of players you lost, but the amount of starters and guys that would be on this football field the following season that are no longer there. And then you look at also replacing a head coach, uh, you know, well after their first uh, signing period where it didn't appear that, you know, through a, a 500 record over two seasons and two uh, somewhat bowl game appearances or, or I guess one bowl game appearance and one bowl game uh, no show, right. Because of their COVID issues in this most recent Hawaii bowl. Um, but you wouldn't anticipate that entering that second signing day that you would have to start all over and, 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 and uh, kind of reset your recruiting pitch and angles and, and everything that goes with it when you bring in Timmy Chang. And, and so, I mean, that's what the University of Hawaii football team is. It's a team that I think we all made very clear in the offseason that the most important part of the 2022 season wasn't the actual season, wasn't the actual se the schedule being played out. The most important part of the 2022 season was the offseason. And that was Timmy Chang establishing himself as a head coach and as a key figure here in the state of Hawaii, which you need to be if you're going to have any success uh, moving forward as the, the leader of this Rainbow Warrior program. It was making sure that he started to make a dent in the recruiting world for the 2023 class. It was making sure that you had alumni back into the program, which was lost. You had to make sure that you had fans interested in the program and passionate about the program. And then perhaps the, the biggest conversation that we had before uh, everything kind of hit the fan last year was that how does the University of Hawaii reestablish its identity in regards to to uh, embracing what makes it unique and what makes the University of Hawaii football program thrive in their greatest moments. And it was that you embrace the culture and that you own the fact that you were different than everybody else. And you were the University of Hawaii in the Pacific Southwest and representing all of Polynesia. And that was, those were things that Timmy Chang did accomplish. And so now you're looking at a season to, in my opinion, is you're just trying to get better. You're trying to lay down the, the foundation for this program moving forward. And, and yes, that's extremely important. And you need to get victories to get people on your side and people still interested in this program. You don't want people giving up on it. But um, in my humble opinion, that's what we're looking at. I mean, it is rebuilding to the letter. I mean, to the ver the dotting the I and crossing the T. I mean, that is exactly what this program is. RJ Hollis, how do you feel people should be viewing this University of Hawaii football team here in 2022? I feel like if I could make my voice a little bit more baritone and just mimic you, I would just say everything you just said. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, rebuilding 150%. You got a first-time head coach, 53 new players. You lose your starting quarterback, starting running back, number one receiver, 12 of your top 15 tacklers, and two of the top 12 accounted for over 200 tackles just last year. You have a stadium that gets condemned, not shut down, not renovated, not, oh, we're just going to have you move a couple years. To It was condemned. 
That was another shot to the program of University of Hawaii, who then turned around and tried to use a makeshift field and some of the safest safeguards against COVID-19 during the pandemic, only to be one of the few schools in all of the country that remained shut down and would have had it with the smallest and safest crowd. So the one thing that I think a lot of people don't get, and it's funny because I was even talking to a worker at the bank I go to, she and her husband have been long time season ticket holders and she was explaining to me how difficult it was for her to go to the games at tc ching and the only thing i could remind her of at the time was that aloha stadium was condemned unbeknowing to the university of hawaii timmy chang did not know this time last year he was going to be the head coach this year nobody in that locker room knew that this time next year you're going to have to replace 53 players you have multiple coaches on the coaching staff that this is their first division one coaching job period so i think in two weeks to kind of say that what we've seen is enough to determine what these guys are going to be like that that that's a little bit much this is definitely and assuredly a rebuilding team very few people have even been related to this program for longer than a calendar year as far as in relation to this season you got guys that were former players obviously but they were elsewhere before they got the call to come here and work so i think when you got to replace that much talent from your last team like rich said probably one of the most naturally talented teams of the Mountain West in 2021, and we've seen that in a couple of games, including their win over ranked Fresno State, a close game against San Diego State. We saw how much talent was there last year. Almost all of that talent's gone. The coach is gone. The quarterback's gone. The running back's gone. You don't get a new stadium back. And now you finally, after two years of no fans, can have a capacity crowd. So when you see all of the things that have happened to UH more than UH has done to itself, I think you gotta you you would almost be you know misguided to call it anything but a rebuild. These guys haven't had time, you know. Let them get a chance to recruit the players for what they want, the offense they want, the defense they want, the guys they like to go after, and then maybe we can see if we can give them a little more of a honest, you know, critique. But I think now after being so so shorthanded on the off season building the excitement that he did build and then only having two games where, you know, like you said, you're a pretty heavily uh, underdog, pretty heavy underdog. I think it's uh, more simple to say, this is just a rebuilding team that's got off to a more than rocky start. Are mistakes being made? Are things that need to be improved? Of course. But this team was a team that pretty much had to make lemonade and they were given almost moldy lemons, so to speak. So. Yeah, and despite this being a podcast, I could almost feel the, you know, some people that are listening to this uh, rolling their eyes as far as like, hey, stop giving this team excuses, because I've heard that here through the first two weeks of the season. And, and I think one thing that that needs to be understood is that there are difference. There's a big difference between making excuses and providing reasons why things are the way that they are. And so I, I think that shouldn't get lost that, hey, no matter what it is that this team accomplishes this season and whether it's a, a, a season that um, has a whole lot more losses than wins or it's one that, that you know, miraculously improves over the, over the course of the season and is able to get some, some big victories, much like that 2016 season that you talked about RJ in your senior year and Nick Rolovich's first year, no matter what it is that they accomplish, um, I, I think that this is um, going to be impressive uh, the, 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 
to no matter what plays out, the, the fact that they are on the football field, that they fill the roster, that they've done all the things that they've done in this short amount of time. And, and we'll just see it, what it means for this program moving forward. All right, Kaleo got the next question. And uh, this one I imagine is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, his question is, should UH football fans regret wanting Todd Graham gone so badly? And so you look 0-2 to start the season. Two blowout losses, struggling uh, on offense, struggling on defense. Uh, special teams has been a mixed bag. Um, uh, but you have a new head coach in Timmy Chang. And yes, uh, the the outcry was strong within the team, outside of the team, of not wanting Todd Graham to be the head coach moving forward for this Rainbow Warrior football team. I think uh, the interesting thing to remember, though, is that if... Todd Graham was still the head coach of the Rainbow Warrior football team. He would still be without Shevin Cordero, Day Day Hunter, Nick Mardner, Darius Muasau, Corey Bethley, Cam Lockridge. These are all players that, uh, with, with the exception of Corey Bethley, actually, uh, these are all players that decided that they did not want to be here if Todd Graham was here as the head coach. So uh, he would be in a similar situation as far as trying to replace all of the production, the statistical production, leadership, captaincy, uh, all of that would be his issue. And so uh, whether it's Todd Graham at the head coach or Timmy Chang is the head coach trying to rebuild the culture here at the University of Hawaii, the same problems would exist. Uh, Rich Miano, your thoughts on that question of do you think UH fans should regret uh, not wanting Todd Graham here? Hell no. And when I say that, I say that emphatically because <laughs> the, the, the nepotism of hiring his son as the offensive coordinator was probably one of the biggest mistakes. The toxicity in that program, it was tumultuous for the players. Um, and he should have never been hired in the first place, Rob. It should have been Craig Stutzman. He was the guy. He wanted the job badly. He was the perfect fit. I could go on and on in a whole podcast about recruiting Bishop Gorman, recruiting St. Louis, his love, his affinity for the program, his offensive prowess, everything else. And it goes back to what Kurt Favela, the senator, said so eloquently is they Arizona State paid this guy $13 million to go away. And again, it's not because he was a bad football coach. I think he was one of the best defensive guys I've seen in the last 20 years, almost like Bob Wagner or Dick Tomey in terms of X's and O's. It was the persona. It was his actions. It was uh, the things that have took place mostly off the field. So I just think that he should have never been hired, but that's why we're in this predicament. And again, it goes back to the one thing you can say about Timmy Chang is he's shaking hands He's kissing babies. He's going to have to do more than that, obviously, to win football games. But he loves his culture. He loves the place. And if you look at the failures of this university football program, you can go back to Fred Von Oppen. You can go to Norm Chow, again, who I think is a Malahini because he hasn't been here in the last 47 years. He's a hell of a football coach. But you got to understand Hawaii and its culture. And then it goes to a guy like Todd Graham. Nick Rolovich loved this place, had success. June Jones loved this place, had success. Dick Tomey loved this place, had success. Bob Wagner loved this place, had success. And if we give Timmy a chance, and he's in as RJ, so I love what RJ said. I love what you said. This is more than a rebuild. This may be Marshall in terms of a plane crash, rebuilding a whole program, rebuilding culture, rebuilding talent. I mean, 
you can't sleep uh, the amount of thing that needs to be done. And the state is complicit. David Ige is complicit. If you go to any university in the Mountain West Conference, they have a performance center. They have a nutritional center. They have money. They have budgets. They have apparel contracts. We are slowly but surely becoming an FCS program. And it's sad to watch us bleed. Uh, RJ Hollis, I know you have a lot to say about this subject, but we we are going a little long here on this episode uh, of Bo's Football Final. And uh, if uh, if you really have something to say, let, let me know if you, you kind of want to follow up on this uh, uh, this situation of if you think UH football fans should be regretting uh, the fact that Todd Graham did not have a lot of support uh, from the Rainbow Warriors. Is there anything you want to add to that before we move on to the next one? Uh, I'll keep it as short as possible. Uh, no, I, I feel like even if Corey Bethley is still out there on that defense, you're still 0-2. And I think one of the biggest uh, tales of, of just what needed to be done is a player like Leonard Lee, who left the team leading tackles. And I think this is maybe his second game doing so. But he got cut after he spoke what he felt was going on in that locker room. And I think that spoke a lot to just the kind of character you had at head coach. So uh, for me, it's just going to be a no, but I'm going to just keep it at that. All right, we're going to move on to the last question. And this one comes from Sean. And, and I'm going to start with you, RJ, because I, I think that, um, you know, you not only fully understand uh, this question, you could give us uh, your insight to it. I know, Rich, you, you can uh, um, allude to this, too. But I think with RJ, it's interesting because you played in the big house as a huge underdog um, against a Michigan Wolverine team. And so this question from Sean is, uh, what is it like entering a game that nobody in the world thinks that you can win. So mindset, um, you know, what, what's the conversations like in the locker room? Heck, what's the conversation like uh, as you're sitting in the Honolulu International Airport and you're waiting to catch this flight? What's it like preparing for a game like this where, um, you know, at, at last check, the Rainbow Warriors opened up as 48 and a half point underdogs. And as we are doing this, the line is going up. And uh, and at one point through our conversation, I saw that the line went up to 50. And so, RJ, what's it like uh, being in that situation? Uh, I think it's for the, the realest of the real. And, you know, I'm not going to try and get too unprofessional with it, but it tests your gangster. It, it tests your G. It tests what's in your heart. I think the biggest tale for me prior to that game was when you come out, the tunnels meet each other. And usually in the big game, the Ohio State-Michigan game, they keep a camera in that middle because they always see him chirp. I came out first, and I seen one of the players from Michigan. He started chirping to me, and I started chirping back at him. And I thought I was by myself until I hear McConney come behind me. I hear Jamal Mayo come behind him. I see Dejon Allen, who says nothing before games, come behind him. And what he said to that dude that was in the Michigan jersey was enough to have them be involved in a street fight. And I don't think nobody would have said anything. But I think for me, it tests your heart. When you come to a smaller program like the University of Hawaii, you have to automatically know you're not going to walk into every game of favorite. But when you walk into a place like Big House with your head up high, your chest out, and no fear of nobody that's in the dark blue, it makes it much easier to go in the Air Force and in their 15 home game winning streak. It makes it much easier to have three and a half offensive linemen against Fresno State, but dog it out enough to score in the fourth quarter and then block that field goal that puts you in the position to beat Louisiana Monroe or UMass, whoever it was the next week, and get into a bowl game. For me, it's giving you that opportunity to know 
everything stacked up against you. All the cards are stacked up against you. What's going to be your mindset walking into that? Anybody can be cocky against Duquesne. Anybody can be cocky against New Mexico State. Anybody can bring that fire if I know I'm about to play a lesser opponent. But when you go on the face, big bro, when you going up against that guy, you know about to give you the business. What's your mindset then? Because if it is still the same as when you face Duquesne, then when you start to see these closer games, I think that's going to help this team create that identity that we've all been looking for. But if you walk in there with your tail tucked in between your legs or the game starts getting out of control and everybody wants to blame everybody and get mad at everybody, then I think that tells a more true to your identity. So I think walking into such a, a big fight, it shows your heart. Yeah. And, and along those lines, RJ, how did, how did this team get better after losing to Michigan in 2016, because that was a blowout loss. That was a game that was never close. That was a game that the Wolverines punched the Rainbow Warriors in the mouth. But how did UH improve from that game? Like I said, when we met them at the tunnel, there was the chirping. They let us go down first and we started chanting our haka. We couldn't do the moves actually physically, but we were chanting it as we walked down in the tunnel. I can't tell you how I knew at the time, and I'm pretty sure everybody was just on a group think mentality, but we knew walking in, we were going to lose, but we also knew we were soldiers, a part of an army, and whatever we needed to do for each other, we were going to be about that life. Like I said, Dejon Allen said nothing before games, but when he seen somebody chirping at me, he didn't let that slide. Makani was a God-fearing man, but when he seen him chirping at me, he didn't let that slide. The same thing happened at Air Force. Their locker rooms was across from ours. They started chirping. I grabbed my helmet and started banging it on the equipment box, talking about, Warriors, it's time to play. And we beat them in double overtime when they were on a 15-game home winning streak. I think we were 10-point dogs in that game and won in double overtime. So when you face a team like Michigan, you see that Goliath in front of you, but it don't break your spirit. Then when you see, like I said last year, Cuzzo, same age, same weight, same height. Oh, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for you to intimidate me because I didn't already seen Goliath face-to-face, -face, and he didn't shake me none, bro. Rich Miano, obviously, 11-year NFL playing career. You played at the University of Hawaii. So you've been in experiences where you enter a game as big underdogs. Um, but with that being said, I want to I hear from the coaches uh, standpoint from your experience uh, of being a University of Hawaii assistant and defensive coordinator associate head coach uh, you know even in the June Jones era UH has entered games as huge underdogs and even in the June Jones era UH walked away uh, with blowout losses one of the worst losses in program history was at Boise State um, in the 2004 season I, I believe the game was 70 to 7 and so um, you know what 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 are the coaches job here uh, to get this rainbow warrior football team ready. And obviously the conversation uh, should never be that, Hey, you guys are about to enter this game and get your butts kicked. Um, but I mean, what should the message be for this team to, to, to try and, and um, uh, make sure that you don't lose twice to this team in Michigan, if that's what, you know, it ends up being uh, what happens. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, give you two different scenarios with the same football team. One was USC at Aloha stadium. And after the game, when asked who the toughest player he's ever played against, Reggie Bush said 42 Leonard Peters. So even though we lost that game, 
Leonard Peters was talking all game long, hitting all game long. And if you come to a game like RJ's talking about, you may lose when you look up at the scoreboard. But if they knew they were in for some physicality, they knew you weren't going to back down from them. They knew you weren't intimidated. That's a win in itself. And then I'm going to go up to the Coliseum when we played USC. And I remember after the game talking to about 47 pro scouts and they saw Travis LeBoy on one side of the field, Reggie Bush reversed his field, and they saw him go all the way across the field, make that tackle, and they only wanted to talk about that. Isaac Supawanga, who later got drafted, his play. This is where you shine when you play against these NFL guys, these five-star prospects. This is where you ball out. Pisa Tanoi having 20 tackles against Alabama, being invited to the Senior Bowl. You have to believe in yourself, and you may not necessarily win on the scoreboard, but each and every play, you have an opportunity to go up and win that snap and be physical and let they know you came to play. That's all you can ask for. Do your 111th, try to win as many battles as you can, but walk away with your chin up if you gave it your all. All right, and the last thing that we're going to talk about here on Bo's Football Final uh, before we say aloha, and I think is a is probably something that a lot of people who are listening to this sh- uh, show, uh, are, you know, is their main objective as far as watching this UH football team, and that's a simple question. RJ and Rich, um, and, and I'll start with you, Rich. Is it capable for this University of Hawaii football team to find success? Through everything that we talked about, through through the roster turnover, first-year head coach, blah, 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 it goes on and on and on. But based on what you have seen through the first two games, based on what you saw at training camp, based on what you see, uh, I know you sit in in some coaches' meetings. I mean, just with what you know, is it even possible for this University of Hawaii football team to find success here in 2022? Most definitely. I think if the offensive line plays like it did week one, and I'm sure they'll learn about protection a lot. They saw a lot of different looks this weekend, and it's two vastly different styles, contrasting styles. I think Dedrick Parsons is a good running back. I think Najee really ran hard this weekend. We found our running back number two, and we have a couple of young freshmen. We got to get Zion Bowens back. We got to get Jonah Pinocchi healthy. We got to get that quarterback to get all those reps. I think Shager can win. I'm more confident this week offensively, even though they had three incredibly poor decisions that moving forward that we can move the football than I was last week. Defensively, we made large improvements. Defense, we tackle better. We were, you know, I, I think schematically we're better. I, I think that this is not a very talented type of defense, but I think they play hard. I think they play for one another. And I think as we get into that conference play, as RJ mentioned, it's going to be a seven or a nine or a 10 point type of who's favored and swing, whatever else. We got to win the close games. We got to believe in one another. We got to believe in these coaches. This to me is like the preseason. And if we end up being one in three, that's okay. We got to go into the to the regular, we got to go to the Mountain West Conference playoffs knowing that we're capable of winning. We're going to be disciplined. We believe in each other. We believe in this coaching staff. And they can still win, Rob. I'm not giving up. And I said earlier in the first Bose football final, it's going to be week nine to ten before we can evaluate this coaching staff in this football team. RJ Hollis, realistically, have you seen enough out of this University of Hawaii football team that gives you optimism that regardless of wins or losses, that this is a team that can one day move the football. This is a team that one day can take away the football on defense. Uh, Of course. And the one thing I got to do is put on my analyst cap on this and just talk schedule. First game is an SEC opponent. You're a dog. Second game, you're a dog. Third game, you're a big, like, 
super big underdog. Yeah, you're like a German oh. shepherd. <laughs> you are Clifford the big red dog. Like, you are going to pick <laughs> the three potential hardest teams you're going to have to see all year coming out the gate. But after you get done with Michigan, you go face Duquesne. You got Duquesne back at home. After that, you go to New Mexico State. Nevada, one of the teams you mentioned that has to do a big changeover. You face them later on in the year. October 1st, you get a bye week. Then on October 8th, it gets real. San Diego State comes in, but you also have Wyoming. You also have UNLV. Games where I do not expect the University of Hawaii if not being favored to be anything less than three and a half or four point dogs. And to me, that is a coin toss game. That is when the little things matter. That is when the small intricate details matter. And if you find a way to buy October 1st, when that bye week comes, have all of those wrinkles ironed out. I think when you get into Mount West play, you could assuredly see success. And if you bout that life, if you go into Michigan, like I talked about with your chin up high and knowing hey, we done seen Goliath, so now let's go be Goliath ourselves. I think when you get into that Mount West play, the University of Hawaii could surprise quite a few teams and bolster themselves into that level of success. All right, the University of Hawaii football team 0-2 to start the season with losses to Vanderbilt in Western Kentucky. Up next, nationally ranked Michigan. That's on Saturday at 2 p.m. Hawaii time. It will be televised on the Big Ten Network, as R.J. Hollis alluded to. Uh, the Rainbow Warriors, not only underdogs in this game, they are Clifford, the big red dog. And uh, for Rainbow Warrior fans, uh, let's hope that uh, the, the Rainbow Warriors can be Puff the Magic Dragon in this one and pull off the greatest upset in college football history. We will see what happens. Uh, regardless of what happens, a win, loss, or draw, uh, we will be here on Bo's Football Final on Monday morning at 808 at KHON2.com and anywhere you download podcasts to talk about what went down and what we expect moving forward. For RJ Hollis and Rich Miano, I'm Rob DeMello. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening to the Bowie's Football Final. We'll catch you next week. Have a great week. Aloha.